And uh, joining me in the studio is the leader of the council. It's Chris Hossock. He was here last month and uh, got a really good response. We got loads of really great feedback. I'll take that. Yeah. My, my job here is done. Uh, so before we, we kick off with uh, some questions, we've got elections coming up. Leader of the Conservative yeah. Party. Yes, we have. So that's all... Um that's all happening this month. Mm. So I think in the next two weeks, we'll have it, I think, is it the 24th of July? I think there'll be a decision on it. So um, obviously our, um, our MPs have whittled down a list on behalf of the Conservative Party to two, and then the Conservative Party will whittle down that list on behalf of the entire country to one. Uh, and that's just the way it works. There's no problem with me yeah. coming out and telling you that I'm back in Boris. Right, okay. Which That's quite wouldn't. a good slogan as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it Boris? works well, doesn't it? <laughs> um, Jeremy is a very, very capable person. He's got a very different style to Boris. My, my view is I think the style that Boris has and his approach to it, to everything we're facing as a country, is what works for now. Yeah. It's the right thing for now. He's got, he's got a bit of fire in his belly. I think he'll energise the country. I think he'll energise the party, for right or for wrong. He will definitely bring energy to it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the only word I can use. And, and I hope that he's got a real... He will, and he will have. I mean, irrespective of what happens if, if Boris becomes leader, I can see Jeremy Hunt taking a very prominent role. And I think there'll be a great counterbalance for each other. You know, um, Jeremy is very thoughtful. He's very structured. He's very measured. Whereas Boris is a great PR and frontman, um, and I think he's got enough confidence to to go into the EU, and I think they would take him more seriously if we are going to try and negotiate a deal, or yeah. or whether we end exit with no deal. But we're more likely to get a deal if you're more serious about no deal, and I think yeah. Boris comes across as being more serious about it. Jeremy's serious about. It. I'm not saying he's not, but. He, it's just the impression you get of the person. I can I can imagine Boris banging the table rather than Jeremy. That's why I'm backing Boris. I think he'd be, I think he'd be good for us right now where we are. I think he's got the energy it needs and the confidence and the boost that the country needs, and it blooming does. We've been in this quagmire for three years, and if if it doesn't work, it's the end of the Conservative Party. And um, my fear is then my personal fear. Obviously, I know people out there have got all sorts of political opinions, but I think Corbyn would be an absolute disaster. And I think, and I think that uh, Boris is more likely to beat Corbyn in any showdown if it comes to it. I really do, for whatever reason. He's a likable guy. And don't forget, if you are out there from the Labour Party or Liberal Democrats, you want to come in and uh, have a chat on air. You are more than yeah. welcome to come in and, and yeah. talk. It's and just, that's just my view as a yeah. Conservative Party member. Mm. Um, but yeah, my, you know, I think Corbyn puts the fear of God into me. I think he'd ruin us. <laughs> let, let Gareth come on and counter that opinion. There you go. That's that's, a, that's an opening for you, Gareth. It's very strange at the moment with politics because it is very um, black and white. Yeah, I think it. I think black and white in politics is good because mm. it presents a choice, and different yeah. people are inclined to different to different um, political ideologies. So that that's fine. I think it's the problem is with it is the uh, animosity stroke hatred yeah. that comes in between when somebody has a completely different view to the other person that that we need to be more grown up about as a country because you know take brexit as the example it was absolutely clear that there was always going to be a pretty much a 50 50 opinion split opinion on it well don't hate the other half of your country just because they took a different view of you and i say that to brexit people as i would say it to remaining people and not everyone's done it a lot of people a lot of remainers have been very grown up about it and said we made a decision guys you know it became it became a two-stage opinion it became an opinion about whether you wanted to be in and out of the eu we made that decision 
And then it becomes opinion about do you respect democratic decision or do you not respect democratic decision? And frankly, the people who are calling for a second referendum before we'd even implemented or have even implemented the first referendum are wrong. As far as I'm concerned, they're anti-democratic. Well, there, there is a lot of people that voted Remain that respect the democratic process. So it, I, think the, I think the argument has shifted now, not about the EU, but about actually democracy. What do we want in our politicians? Do we want real people that have yeah. got real everyday problems or do we want these saintly people that have never done anything wrong? I, I, it's a cliche, isn't it? But nobody's perfect. Mm. And um, But equally, the, there's a balance to it. And like I say in everything, there's a balance. Because you wouldn't go out and out to appoint or promote somebody as a candidate who had a track record of, you know, being unlawful. Yeah. You know, doing things that were you know fundamentally wrong you wouldn't go and seek that candidate but find me a candidate anywhere that's lived a perfect life you won't and that's my view on it mm. I, I just you know what 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 we do expect is whoever becomes the leader of the party and not even before that there, we, we expect when anybody becomes a public official a public representative rem, representative whether you're a councillor an mp is that you rein it in you behave yourself Mm. You respect. You should respect the people have elected. You should be focused on serving their community, and not getting up to all these shenanigans. And some people do. And you, you know, you don't abuse the system. Yeah. You don't abuse the expenses system, which you know. This is why we lost faith in politics. Mm. So um, there's an expectation. Absolutely, people do things wrong. People make mistakes. Yeah. Everyone's entitled to a second chance. Uh, now, Gail from Brentwood, she said, uh, this is her question. She said, I think the council do a good job trying to keep Brentwood free from litter. However, I don't think they do enough to stop people littering in the first place. So to make sure children are educated and heavier fines for people caught littering, we pay a lot in taxes to clear up and it's soul destroying as a local volunteer uh, to be constantly picking up other people's litter, which is thrown out the window. It's the main area of concern is the a127 exit off the off the road by the Kilns Hotel. She said it's awful. Uh, not a great welcome to Brentwood. Please, can any council grass cutters uh, pick up the litter before they actually cut the grass? Because basically, what it's doing, it's chopping it up into thousands of pieces. So, what what would you say to Gail? Okay, Gail. First thing I'd say to Gail was what what's apparent from what she said there is thank you for being a volunteer that goes out and picks up litter. There are not enough people do that in Brentwood. Just shows a bit of pride in your community. She's one of the good guys. And I, and I'll, and I seem to mean that in all sincerity. When I walk my dog, I end up coming back with pockets full of litter. And, and I've noticed, actually, it's, it's an increasing trend. A lot more people are starting to do it. And it's just about having private pride in your neighbourhood. Yeah. Some people don't, and I personally don't get it. So that, that's a sincere thing. A couple of points she's raised. <laughs> the first thing I'll do is I agree with her about the, I have this little phrase I use a lot called ed, like an entry statement. So when you come into Brentwood off Brook Street, near the Kilns, where she said, if you come in at Mount Nessing, you're coming into Brentwood, the first thing you see is what sets the impression. It makes a statement about the borough. So I agree with that. So I will, specifically, if it's bad now, I'll get I'll get my, my man at the depot, who's a great guy, they will respond to it, and I'll get that cleaned up today. That's the first thing. But but it's about going forward and some of the bigger, the bigger questions she's asked. We should be in the process litter picking before you mow the grass. Mm. That's the process. I had a conversation about this last week. And then somebody then came to me and said, well, hang on a minute, look at that. It's all being chewed up and hit by the mowers. So I think the process has failed in some cases. That's just being honest. But the process absolutely is and should be litter pick first, mow second. 
All right. Are so, they two different teams that do, or is it the same? They, it's no. It's, so you've got the mowing team. Yeah. But the guys must go. The, the pickers go ahead. So it's not the mower yeah. man. Let's be honest. We're, there's so much grass to cover in Brentwood, and it, it comes down to resource and mm. funding of resource. People criticised last week in Pilgrim's. Actually, remembered it looked like a hayfield. The, the grass had grown so much because we had really warm weather. Mm. We've had really hot weather, uh, wet weather, and this greenhouse effect kind of just torpedoes the growth of not rocket not torpedo rocket yeah. uh, it's horizontal that's vertical it's, so it's, it's grown like it's gone up like a rocket and um so when it when it was cut there was grass everywhere we don't put grass collectors on because it would slow the whole process down and we're trying mm. to get around the borough now we could put grass collectors on but that'd be a new machine it's got to be paid for it would need to be emptied which would slow it down which probably needs to be more operatives so everything can be done mm. but it's got to be done at a price and that's the issue so i, I do understand why people say because i'd look at it and go wow but it's the cons it's when you look at why can they why have they not done that i tell you it always boils down to a pound note we do go into schools because the best influences of parent or adult behavior is children mm. and if we get in and talk to the kids about um the importance of recycling and stuff like that they will go home and they go dad why have you chucked that plastic bottle in the bin and they'll fish it they're more enthusiastic about it than ever yep. so actually we do engage with schools quite well and we do recognize that if we can educate this generation then coming through when they're homeowners and adults themselves recycling rates should be up I think I think I honestly think with everything that's going on, young people today are far more environmentally aware yeah. than than we were. If you go, you wind the clock forward 10, 15, 20 years, we're a, f- a far more environmentally aware generation of, of influential people. Mm. You know, the adults, the, the people who are making the money, buying this stuff and spending it. So we do engage with kids. We could probably do more, but they're absolutely on our radar in terms of being a target audience because we recognise how influential they are to their parents today. Yeah. but also how they'll set the tone in 15, 20 years' time. What are the problems uh, we're experiencing with Uber, if any? Well, the, the problems, I don't think it's the problems we're experiencing. I think it's problems that the licensed operators, those well-known cab companies that we've mm. got in Brentwood, like Treble 20, Shenfield, and, and not excluding others that are probably out there. I think the, these are the guys that are suffering. Um, and this is where the, where the sort of objections come in, because, you know, the, actually some of these some of these cab phones have been household names in Brentwood for a long period of time. Yeah. Uber's a, new, a relatively new phenomenon. It's a convenient app-based product, as yeah. we know, and it's cheap, and people use it. They take the path of least resistance. Our, our licence trade have, have come to the council with an objection, a meeting. I wasn't at the meeting, but I'll give you a little pricey of it, um, as best as I'm aware. About two weeks ago, a licensing committee meeting, and what was resolved was that um, Brentwood would write to Uber and say, "Get a license or don't operate here." And that, mm. that was the time. I don't know if that letter's been sent. I think yeah. it probably has, but that was what was resolved to do. And we'll see what they get. I don't know. I don't know where that stands legally, or whether we, they can oblige to that, or whether it was just an advisory type letter. I don't know the inside and out um, of that, but that's certainly what we've done. So that's the thing the council can do, which is limited to kind of stick up for our licensed trade. It comes back, I think we might have discussed something. We discussed this we, the last we, time. We, it's, we, like, it's like the high street. It's, it's like, like the Amazon factor yeah, we talked it's, about. If you want to show, you say the local high street's not doing too well and people moan about it, but then they go and order their stuff on Ocado and they use Amazon and yeah. then they don't go to the local shops. And see, the thing is, it's the same thing. If you've got the Uber app and you use it, then you can't suddenly go, yeah. well, there should be, where's our local cab company yeah. that's been there for years? And this is great because we're sitting here as a community radio station mm. and we're all talking about the interconnectedness of a community, all right, and supporting each other in what we do. I honestly think 
if I use a cab, I use somebody I know because I'm supporting local business, because I'm supporting that guy who probably lives in Brentwood, does his shopping in Brentwood, and re- reciprocates. So the whole thing is like a web of, you know, intercooperation. Mm. And it's down to people. If you want to use an app because it's convenient and it's cheap and you, and you don't want to support local cab companies, it's a free choice, but there's yeah. an implication to it. You know, I think we should, we've always said it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strap, you should support local business. And the cab companies are local businesses, and that's up to people. You know, I see, I, I, you know, if I'm at a party or something like that, you see people are all pre-ordering their Uber apps. It's just the easy thing to do. I mean, Uber have done a great marketing job. You know, yeah. and actually, people know about them because there's been such negative press about them that, you know, it's all, it's all you hear, Uber, Uber, Uber. Honestly, if you're booking a cab, book a local firm. How can I not say that as a Brentwood resident, as a council leader that's meant to be supporting local business? The choice is with the people who use the services. Use a local cab company. Because Uber is, I don't know, I think it, you know, a lot of the guys that come in that drive the cabs don't live in Brentwood. A lot of people who drive for local cab firms do live in Brentwood. There's a whole, it's all intertwined, isn't Mm. it? Um, You've got the the buying habits and behaviours of the public, whether they're shy street shopping, whether they're, taxi booking um but you've also got you know an adapt a market where you know people need to adapt yeah a com- to make it competitive you know uber have come in left to field with this product and it, you look at other companies like netflix they're taking stuff away from itv or yeah, the, yeah. you know all this is happening and yeah. you either there's an element of competition where you have to say well actually you need to adapt and i don't know what cab local cab firms can do about that so i you know i genuinely don't know i'm not but it's a competitive market, yeah. and it's become very competitive because because of Uber, because of app, because of the the prevalence of them, because of I don't know, maybe I don't know, I don't, I don't know enough about it. I've never bought, I've never done an Uber. Mm. I, I'll have to say that. Yeah, my daughter's got the app, and the, the kids are into doing it. Yeah. I haven't. What are the plans to refurbish the town centre? The chapel rooms. There was a few years ago. I think Barry was saying about having the there was going to be like a glass construction. Uh, are there going to be more restaurants in in the town? What like a crystal cathedral or something? <laughs> Some great ideas. Um, so um, a couple of weeks ago, there was a planning application approved to do some um, enhancements, mainly landscaping around the chapel ruins. Right. Um, so um, the Church of England were at the planning committee as well. Can't remember the chap's name. I think he was from St Thomas's, and spoke spoke, spoke in support support of it. It's interesting. You get a planning application on what is effectively hallowed ground or sacred ground, so they've got an interest in it. And of course, it's got to be treated in that way. So you've got to be very measured about what you do in and around that area. So we will see in some improvements around the chapel ruins somebody came to me and said chris what's happening i had the building on it or you so i said no, no we're not because a lot of people use that place in brentwood we have a lot of charities roll up the road yeah. and stuff like that and they'll set up a pitch mm. and some of the churches go there and they'll have like music and stuff yeah. like that on sometimes quite often on a saturday so that will still be available to do it we're just revamping it the, mm. the landscaping around it is dated it doesn't it doesn't really it's not befitting i don't think of the nice the ruin that's there this historic ruin so we're going to do that um the other thing that was in the planning application is where you go down towards the bay tree center that sort of avenue of shops either side there's going to there was part of the application was that we would re sort of tidy up the front ends of those shops so it looked a bit nicer i think as part of it as well there's some sort of outdoor cafe thing proposed and you know i think to have that as a bit more of a vibrant space 
and having people socialising around it in mm. the daytime. Yeah. Coffees under umbrellas and all that sort of stuff they do in Italy and all the piazza type thing. Yeah. And I think would be quite a nice nice approach to it. So we're certainly looking to do that. So that that's with the view. We're definitely not putting a greenhouse over the top of it. Yeah. That, that would not be uh, appreciated by the Church of England, I don't no. think. Big picture, town centre, that's just an, that's relatively small in the scheme of things. Um, you know, we, we've still... And I know people are going to be frustrated when you say this because it's been talked about for so long and I'm frustrated with it as well, is we still have ambition to really drive forward with the vibrancy of the town centre. We need to invest in it. You know, William Hunter Way Car Park has been talked about for a long time. Yeah. Um, we will, with a fair wind and a democratic balance at the end of this month, enter into a, a joint venture partnership with a very large construction company. And what we will be doing with them is we'll be putting three sites forward for them to work up schemes to develop, one of which will be William Hunter Way. We can't do that on our own. We have to partner with a multi-million pound construction company to actually realise what we could do there. Don't know what that would be yet, but it might be a combination of retail space, leisure space, a comp- you know, residential space, etc. So yeah. we're, we're look, you'll see proposals come forward for that over the next few years. It's a big project, yeah. probably one of the biggest projects in Brentwood. And there's a couple of other sites we've put in. One of them's a large garage site. So I think we might talk about this last time, but where you've got these redundant garage garage sites all across the borough there's, yeah. there's dozens of them literally dozens of them the blooming garages are only wide enough to fit a Ford Anglia in because that's when they were built mm. so they're utterly useless now to most people the, the occupancy rate of these garages is low so let's build some affordable houses on them yeah so we're, we're, we're talking to uh, we're going to talk to our new partner about that as well so yeah there's lots happening you know it's it's all building up to a point and i'm hopeful that in the next month or two a lot of these things will start to lock into place yeah and we'll start to be able to work towards delivery it's all about delivery at the moment is there anything we can do about wilson's corner it's, i think it's what can be done um there are certain i'm not aware of any plans to change the um the traffic arrangements at wilson's corner it's that yeah. double mini roundabout you're right it is notorious it is difficult. You take your life in your hands sometimes when you pull mm. out. I think I think everybody, all four people, are looking at each other, going, "Right, I'm going first. And everyone yeah. has the same four at the same time, and it's 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 a bit of a chaotic junction. I'm not aware of any plans uh, to invest in changing the scheme. I, you know, I, I know we all take our lives on our hands a little bit. We feel like we are, and it's a bit of a nerve wracking junction to tackle. And I remember when you were doing driving lessons, you were thinking, "Oh, please don't take me to Wilson's Corner." <laughs> you know, all, all these seventeen year olds driving yeah. out thinking, "Can we just go that way, please?" Um, but I don't know what the accident history is there. I don't. Mm. I don't think there's a prevalent accident history. Yeah. Amazingly, giving amazingly my driving. And, and Essex would only start to look at that as the highway authority if there was a you know a, a, an epidemic of issues like that. Yeah, I'm not aware of those. I could be wrong, mm. but I'm certainly not aware of any plans to change it. So I, I have sympathy with you. You know, the one that worries me more about it is when you come off the roundabout, um, particularly as you go into the Onger Road. Very shortly after it, you've got a crossing. Yes, and I think. I don't know why it's there, but it's far too close to the junction. Yeah. Because actually, when you've got those lights on red and the cars back up, it just puts gridlock onto that little yeah. junction. Yeah, that's a pain. Uh, I think I think those crossings are in the wrong place. But again, it's personal as a view, and I don't know that there's any plans to change it because again, it all mm. comes down to a pound note. Yes, yes. So there we are. They, they have moved forward now. We do have coins. I remember the pound I just notes. Keep so pound pound note. Yeah, you're quite right. <laughs> The other big thing that's going on and has been going on for a period of time, and again, we talked about last time, and things have moved on a little bit, is our local development plan. 
Uh, okay, so we know that um, we've got this pressure to build houses over the next couple of decades, circa 8,000 or so of them. And we need to allocate land to, to accommodate those houses. Mm. You know, there's, there's no choice about it. This is, we need to build houses. We know there's a housing shortage crisis across the country. And um, all districts and authorities and cities are having to play their part in resolving the housing crisis. And that, that's difficult for Brentwood because we're an 89% greenbelt. Um, so we've had to try and spread the load across the town. And, of course, nobody likes development when it's close to their house. I think that's fair enough. Nobody yeah. likes change, really. People get worried about what the yeah. impact might be. So I'm hoping that towards the end of this month, um, we're going to go for... It's a bit technical, but I'll try and keep it simple. We've gone through a phase which is called Regulation 19. Catchy, isn't it? Um, <laughs> where we've we've taken consultation on the sites that have been proposed... All of that consultation is being collated, all of the feedback is being collated, and then we're going to ins submit that to an inspector. Once it's with the inspector, they will look at our whole proposal, they'll balance it with all of the feedback we've had, and they will come to a verdict that says, there'll be a bit more work that goes on, but jump into the end of it. What we're looking for is whether the inspector says, that is a sound proposal or it's an unsound proposal. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that in the next month or so, we can get that... Our, our development plan proposal submitted to the inspector we need to get our plan approved in order to move this stuff on yeah um so that, that's the big that's the you know there was we had a council meeting the other week and there's a proposal from one of us there's a there's a commercial approximately 75 houses going on there in in, in terms of the plan mm. you know this is a plan it's not even a planning application it is a plan yeah right, so there's still the planning application to go through to control the process actually when you've done all of this work in your sector you can't make major changes to your plan when you've consulted on it. Because if you do make a major change, and a major change would pulling a site in the 75 houses that goes with it, and then you've got to ask where 75. Quite convenient to drop them into Dunton because they've got, they've got 4,000 already. I, I don't yeah. think that's fair to, to that personally. But you can't make major changes to your plan and you're poised to submit it. You'll have to wind the clock all the way back. Mm. And you'd have to reconsult and do the whole thing again. And then guess what happens? The Department for Communities, local Housing Communities and Local Government are going to look at Brentwood and go, what are you guys doing? Mm. You were 90% there, you were poised to submit, and you've gone back to reconsultation because you can't make your mind up. That's what would, That was the message that would send. You know what yeah. they would do? They'd say, Brentwood, you're not capable, we'll take over, we'll do it. And then nobody gets a choice. Right. And this is what I keep trying to say to people. I, I respect people's right to object, and I respect their concerns, but what we don't want to do is lose control of our local development program. That mm. process so we had a little bit of a hoo-ha unfortunately about this at a committee meeting a couple of weeks back but that's my opinion yeah. i'm concerned that we don't abs absolve control of this process to a central government department that doesn't even live in brentwood so that's where we are with it but i'm hoping we can just get get it in get it in the in the eyes of the inspector the inspector will put an opinion on it and the inspector might come back and say actually you've got to change this this and this mm. this is not a done deal yeah until the inspector's had an opinion on it so, one step at a time, let's get it in, let's see where we go. That, that's my message. Got a busy week? I have got a busy week, I'm trying to balance the, uh, the day job with the council job. So, this afternoon, from here, I'm shooting up to Ipswich for a completely different non-council related reason. Yeah. Tomorrow night, we've got a very big committee meeting. Uh, we, we formed a new committee that I've called, colloquially called PRED, but it's Policy, Resources and Economic Development. And we've got a big agenda tomorrow night. 
um, with lots of good stuff that we're trying to do uh, on that agenda. One of the things that's on the agenda and we're going to start to drive forward is green initiatives for the borough. I was talking to a company last week about um, vehicle charging points, 5G networks off these charging points, and just putting some infrastructure into Brentwood that's future-proof. I'm really ambitious yeah. that we try and do that. Um, so we've got that big meeting tomorrow night. Um, tonight I've got, uh, oh, here's an interesting one because it's topical. In fact, you might want to check your Twitter feed and see what's happening in a minute. <laughs> but, um, um, we've got incur traveller traveler incursion training tonight for members so they understand right. what happens when there's an incursion. Um, I've got that at six. I've got another meeting at quarter past seven and, you know, everything else in between. So it's a busy week, but I like being busy. But it's worth just talking about it if we've got the time. Um, we know there was an incursion in Hutton this week. You might have picked up on that. Um, and I think within the last hour, if everything's gone to plan, those travellers have left the site. Uh, they were served with a Section 61 notice yeah. that says, please, can you get off our recreational land because we've got kiddies want to use it. And mm. that's what we did. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that in the last hour they've gone. Right. Which will be much of a relief to the uh, St. Joseph the Workers' School and people at Hutton Football Club and, and the community who just want to use that space for reasons other than an impromptu campsite. So um, I don't know what the feedback is, but I'm hoping that's a resolved issue. If it is, I'm really pleased. Yeah. They came on Saturday, I think Saturday afternoon. And if we've got them gone by Tuesday morning, that's a pretty good result. I'm happy about that.